Hello everyone and welcome to the Theatrical Mustang Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Woodzik. This is episode 56 with Jennifer Bondelid and Jim Castaneda, who are gearing up to play Gomez and Morticia in Whidbey Island Center for the Arts production of The Addams Family, the musical. I'm also in the show. It's going to be super fun. I can't wait to see y'all come out for the show. It opens December 4th and runs through the 19th. Interesting interview because Jim and Jennifer came to acting from two on two different paths. Jim was more of an acapella, a acapella musician and a composer. Jennifer has foundations in classical dance. And so I really I really love the opportunity to sit down and talk with them and and learn more about their paths and how they came to acting and this show in particular. A big thank you to this episode's sponsor, a new sponsor to the podcast, Cadiz Distillery, LLC. Colin Campbell opened the Cadiz Distillery Tasting Room this month in Clinton. He shares, at Cadiz, we believe in the tradition of small batch spirits made by hand. The Campbell clan has been distilling for over 500 years since 1494. Kadi, which means pure in Gaelic, signifies our commitment to using only the purest ingredients to craft our spirits in a pristine and pure setting, the Isle of Whidbey. So welcome, new sponsor to the podcast. Folks, if you're on Whidbey, please check the distillery out. They're making gin, they're making whiskey. You can check them out on Facebook and also their website, Kadi Distillery. Dot com, both of which will be in the episode description so you can check them out and see what they're up to. So instead of our traditional segue music in and out of the interview, I'm actually going to play two tracks from Jim Castaneda's album that came out earlier this year called Beatbox Soul. Pick it up on iTunes, CD Baby, wherever you get music online. Uh, the first track is... I'll Kindly Stay, which is one of Jim's favorite tracks for the album. And then at the very end, you'll hear As the Years Go By, which is my favorite track from the album. So please enjoy episode 56 with Jennifer Bondelid and Jim Castaneda.
just cancel everything and bring my horse around. Take me to the river on a sunny afternoon. Make my day. Take me up to where we There's a green room with Morticia and Gomez Adams, or their alter egos, mm-hmm. Jennifer Bondelet and Jim Castaneda. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Hi, Hello there, Katie. So, Jennifer, I was thinking that the first show we did together was Sweeney Todd. Oh my gosh, what a ride. And I mm-hmm. was playing a man, and you bound my chest with several rolls of Ace Rap. And then we recently Before closed. That was dangerous to do. It's not good. <laughs> and then more recently, we we were in in the next room where the vibrator play together, and you laced me up every night in a corset. So my question I is: laced your corset. My question is: What do you have against my torso? Is the opening question? I obviously you. have been trying to kill you for years. <laughs> And why I haven't succeeded yet, I'm not quite sure, because seriously, yeah, uh, when it came to the ace wrap, I didn't know at the time, we should have gotten a binder for you. That's true. But I did know that corsets, tight lacing at that tempo, are bad juju indeed. But we learned a lot in the run of that show about corsets and what not to do. And we bonded. We bonded. We did we bond. Were, we, were, we were almost lovers. We were almost, almost lovers in that show. <laughs> But now, like uh, for this we show, actual lovers. That's wait, were we? Was there another show where we were lovers? Oh, Did I miss well, that? 
I don't know. Which one are we talking a little about? thing between between our two characters in the um, language archive. Language. Oh, or at yeah. Least I fell for you anyway. That's oh, I never knew that. She just shared her after secret. Jim, I hope you're not feeling left out because now you get to kiss Jennifer on stage instead of me. Do, oh, maybe you guys <laughs> do you never kiss. No, never no. mind. Oh, there's kissing. Yes, there's yes. just not, you know, lip to lip kissing. Making out kissing. I'm glad that we're clarifying this for our listeners. But <laughs> this show is going to be awesome. Uh, first question What, when you heard that Adam's family was happening, did you immediately know that you had to audition? Did you immediately know what role you really, really wanted to gun for? Yes. Because I approach yeah, an audition like an attack. <laughs> like, there, there are battle plans drawn, armor and war paint. The first thing that happened was I got a really big hat <laughs> so that I would be staying out of the sun entirely. Yeah, no, I, I, I knew I wanted this <laughs> right from the get-go. As soon as they announced they were going to do the show, I said, ah, oh, okay, that would be a thing for me. I'm thinking, yes, please. <laughs> and we did, the, we did a photo shoot the other day, and with the full makeup and the costume, it's really uncanny, the resemblance to the actress who played Morticia in the TV series. It was, I thought it was eerily stunning. That's the hugest compliment I've ever gotten. She is amazing, yeah. Uh, I, I would say I fall down a little in the nose department. <laughs> but she did have a little help on that. Um, <laughs> Well, no, noses aside, you noses look stunning. Aside. Thank you. Jim, same question. Ah, yes. I did have to think about it a little because I didn't know anything about the musical Adam's Family. I mean, right. with the Adam's Family, you know, TV and movies. And as far as the part goes, I had no idea I would be even considered for Gomez for some reason. Really? Oh, yes, yes. It was Mal. It was Lucas at one point. I'm way too old for Lucas. And, uh, I got called back for Wednesday. You know what I mean? And it's, it's I am. I just, for the record, I am way too young to be Lucas's mother, actually. But <laughs> magic of theater, That's right? Suspension right. right. of disbelief, yes. right? Yeah. And so when you got the call, were you like, "Holy crap!" Oh, I was, I was exploding. I couldn't believe it. And it's my first real lead too. This is a. I'm only. This is my fifth play. So ever, ever. Well, it's over high school, but that doesn't count. That was a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. <laughs> Many moons. What was, yeah, what was that moment, Jennifer, the call, when you got the call? Oh, I was beside myself because I hadn't gotten a call back from Morticia. So I was oh, really... Um, pleased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I may have been in my car checking my voicemail and needed to pull over. That mm. could have happened. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my first memory of the Adams Family, and I think I was in grade school or middle school, and for me, it was the movie with Christina Ricci and Angelica Houston, and I remembered thinking how cool it was that Wednesday was sort of, she was, her, she was independent, she was her own person, she didn't need to wear pink, like, she was a badass, and so was Morticia, so what, what... For both of you, what's your first memory of encountering the Adams Family? Was it the comic strip? Was it the television series? I think for me, it might have been the movies. I didn't see much of the TV yeah. series as a kid or anything. I know I didn't grow up in that era, but <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see any of the reruns. You know, it was actually the Munsters for me as a kid. Watching oh, right. that was that was my uh, exposure to this type of family. Uh-huh. But. Um, 
Yeah, the movies Raul Julia and, uh, and right. he's amazing, you know. Christopher and, Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that was my main introduction, my main to to the Adams family. I was with all the guys. The movies. Yeah. Jennifer. Yeah, I kid when I say heresy because I watched The Monsters too. But yeah, I saw reruns of the TV show and hadn't seen the movies um, when I was a kid. When they, I mean, when they first came out, I didn't see them. But um, yeah, and I was struck with that same thing. Like with the TV show, Wednesday was just what six or so. And she's pretty young, season. yeah. But she didn't smile, <laughs> and oh, yeah. and that really struck me because. I, I've certainly continually run up across um, the expectation, the societal expectation of women to smile. Um, that microaggression of a guy coming up to you and saying, you know, you really should smile more. You'd look prettier if you smile. I mean, that's happened to me personally. I don't know if that's happened to you. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Has it happened to you, Jim? I have gotten that <laughs> And I've never said that to anyone either, though. I, you're you're like an exceptional human being, so well done. <laughs> well done for yeah, you. Yeah, so the interesting thing for me is that it seems like what with the musical taking place so many years later, it seems that Wednesday and Morticia have somewhat had a shift, of a, a swap of who is the more slightly more bubbly and who is the slightly more stoic one, and it's Morticia that doesn't smile in the musical, and so... I get to experience that of of trying to own that not smiling and yet feeling like I am a redeemable person at the same time. And it may hinge entirely around sex appeal. I'm not quite sure what her <laughs> other redeeming qualities are. No, that's not true. I do, but it's a secret. Um, <laughs> is it your actor's secret? Yes, the actors always have to have one. It's true. I'm, I'm nodding, nodding, and no one can no one can hear that. But I'm nodding. Vigorously. I can hear you nod. You can hear me nod. Oh my gosh, you must have. I'm learning a lot right amazing now. Amazing. I didn't know I needed a secret, but I'll have to look into it. I, well, it's that's a personal choice, right? Some okay. people really buy into. I know that uh, Bob Atkinson, who plays my husband in this, I have a lyric that said uh, that uh, all I needed was the hope that you'd submit, and Bob, who is. Quick with a brandy joke, always <laughs> uh, saying, "Oh, so you're dominatrix, huh?" I said to him, "I was so proud of myself because I'm not really great at like a good comeback." But I said, "Well, Bob, that'll just have to be your actor secret." <laughs> I, was I like, think he's ah, running with that. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a little time with Bob backstage. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, he oh, might not know. I don't know things about my character apparently. <laughs> but for those of you who might not be tracking this, the setup for the Adams Family musical it was. Written, I believe, about five or six years ago by Andrew Lippa, who some of you might know from The Wild Party. He wrote some of the music for You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and most famously, My New Philosophy. I love that song! It's so great. I played, I played Sally when I was in college, and mm. just, hey, I don't know, I think maybe, some of this music, I feel, is a little harder than Sondheim. I don't know if that's, like, sacrilege to say this, but I've done two Sondheim shows, and, uh... Did so you do Andrew, Into the Woods? I did do Into the Woods. No, did Sondheim do that? Was that... Yes. yes. Uh, this is not harder than Sondheim. This is not. Honestly, I think it was maybe the easiest of Sondheim. Really? Oh, man. No, that's it's, not true. I think, the funny I thing think, happened is the easiest, but... Oh, yeah, but, definitely. But I think part so, of it is, is that the familiarity with me, as you were saying before, the familiarity with the musical, since it is a newer piece, I mean, I Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods, I would play, that, play both of those soundtracks like crazy, you know, from middle school on. But a different era, right? Like, completely different era. It's true. Yeah. But, okay, so Andrew Lippa, he wrote the music, I forget who writes, 
the book, but it's great and funny, and you'll love it, audience members, potential audience members. No, audience members. It's going to happen. If you're listening to this, you're going to come to the show, right? Tickets at wikaonline.org. We'll have that in the episode description. I I do not think in a linear way, and I see no, your no. eyes getting bigger. No, no. <laughs> it's just that I'm, I'm thinking of the fact that I haven't yet run into a single person that I've had a conversation with about this show who hasn't immediately said... Oh yes, I'm planning to come, and that's the first time that's ever happened to me. It's the it's the connection people have with the story. I think it is, and and the fact that you can bring the whole family to it. Mm -hmm. That's right. Which is, um, I mean, I know audience. I mean, we're lucky around here to have audience members that really like dark musicals. (laughs) Rocky Horror did very well. Sweeney Todd did very well, Um, and so. But this is something dark that you can bring your kids. You might not want. You probably really don't want your kids to see Sweeney Todd until they're in high school. And, you know, the second act of Into the Woods is rather bloody and brutal as well. But this is something where you can bring the whole family and there's going to be something for everyone to enjoy. Uh, I was originally talking about the plot of this show. Um, because I say, I'm in the Adams family and people are like, I'm super stoked. What, but they what don't part know are what you playing? And I'm like, well. Let me explain the context of you because exactly. it's it, to you because I'm not one of the Adamses. Um, so Wednesday's just turned 18. She's fallen in love with a quote unquote normal boy, or at least a boy from a normal family. And he and his parents are coming over to the Adams mansion for dinner. And what could possibly go wrong <laughs> or right? I don't know. Uh, and so that's the setup for this. And so we're seeing Wednesday at 18 instead of. Six or Christina Ricci, I feel her characterization is more probably like ten or twelve. But now Wednesday's Wednesday's all grown up. She is. She'll be. Are you gonna are you gonna do the joke? I think you should do the joke. She'll be Thursday before you know it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> happen. Uh, what is both of you for both of you? What is your process in in building a character, and have you adjusted it for this production because? You are portraying such iconic characters. So much. Wow. So much adjustment. Yeah. <laughs> it's completely different for this show. <laughs> I'm kind of new at this, actually. Yeah. Uh, building a character. This is pretty much my first time with a character with, uh, not the hugest arc, but some sort of arc. Definitely. Yes. The thing I'm running into now is, is Gomez's persona. Gomez's... Um, where his hands go, what he does with them when he does it, what mood he's in, acting things, I think, but I'm not, uh, not sure. Well, that's how, I mean, like, that's how I am, t- personally, like, what I, I'm like, what, like, the fact that my wig was finalized last night, like, I'm like, oh, and I know what the costume is, like, knowing what the, like, what the shell is, and what mm. the extension of the, of the, of the gesture, and what the makeup's gonna be, like, I like to see the character first, like whether it's in the mirror in in my head, and then I don't work from an internal place out. It's sort of like from the outside in. I don't know if that's good or right or whatever, but that seems to work well for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. I would expect myself to be an always external in person, given that I came from a dance background and came later to acting. But I've been an internal out historically when I'm when I'm preparing a role, working on the backstory. Sometimes writing, you know, like like many 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 pages <laughs> of detailed backstory from childhood on, and that just helps me know who this person is. And then later on, 
how do they inhabit their body? How do they interact with their world physically on a physical level? How do they breathe? How do they, um, all of those things. But um, yeah, it's been really different for Morticia because she's so iconic and she's a cartoon character originally and still. And so it's, it's so much about how do you inhabit the, the physicality of it and um, yeah, less of less of the story building of my own. I haven't found that to be necessary for her, but definitely connections emotionally with um, actor secret. So <laughs> don't, don't even I think that's a, to know. That's a wonderful transition into I wanna know that moment when you were a kid and little Jennifer Vonwood was like in dance class for the first time or what was that moment when you first fell in love with performing and you're going to be answering this question next so I'm giving you a heads up Thank you. oh my gosh I think I have to answer that question by not exactly answering that question completely fine my first performance that wasn't you know a, a class show which mandated count. performance mandated, yes. <laughs> um, my first voluntary performance was at age 11 and I had stage fright to the extent that I couldn't keep anything down for three weeks before the performance. And by the time the show rolled around, I was so shaky that I thought, I can't do it. And my parents forced me to do it anyway. And I'm so grateful for that because it proved to me that I could live through it, which was an actual legitimate question in my mind because it was synchronized swimming and art, kind of artistic performance. It was like a, it was a, there was an entire evening length show with story and acting built around all of these different water ballet numbers, synchronized swimming numbers. I'm not all that strong of a swimmer. So um, it was a challenging performance. And then after that, every single performance, I was just infinitesimally less terrified than the one before until eventually I got it under control. But no, there wasn't a moment where I got bit by the bug. It grew on me very gradually as I learned not to freak myself out. So a lot of folks probably have seen you, either your performance or choreography in our local production of The Nutcracker. What was that transition like from dance to theater? Oh, so it was so interesting. Um, I felt like my expectations of myself as a performer were much higher than where my skill level was with acting because the the way the work happens in ballet especially um, is so completely different than the way the work happens for actors. Um, in, in ballet, the performers expect to get extremely detailed notes about every nuance of how you're holding your fingers and what direction your nose is pointing and to have so many so much freedom of choice as an actor kind of drove me up the wall at first I didn't know what to do and I was one of those actors that would would shuffle all around and and not make strong choices and and I'm still working on on bridging that gap more and more from the dance world into the into the acting world but I'm finding that now that I'm building some more skills in performance outside of dance, it's really translating well in helping me help the dancers that I choreograph on as well. So it's been a plus. That was fascinating. Thank you for that answer. Uh, I was, I like had to catch my breath a little bit. Um, I want to make sure that we get in a little plug for the Nutcracker. If folks want to go see that, uh, December at South Ruby High School. Yes. Yes. And it opens the week after 
the Adams Family, and it runs through the 20th of December. So two weekends, but four shows a weekend. So there's a Saturday matinee and evening performance. So eight shows in total, and um, tickets at WIDTonline.com. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll have, that, we'll have that link for you in the episode description because you're going to want to see both shows. Absolutely. Because they're both a lot of fun. Jim! Katie. <laughs> Same question. Was there... Because I know you're, you're coming from more of a music background. Yes, yes. Before transitioning into theater. So I want to know when you first fell in love with performing and how that transitioned from music to theater. Hmm. I was in acapella groups. That's where I started all this. Uh, sure. A lot of acapella groups throughout the years. But I think I fell in love with performing through choir and uh, band in high school. What instrument did you play in band? I played a few. I played the trombone pretty well for a while. I actually played the oboe for a while. I played the oboe! <laughs> I didn't know that. Sorry. I played, I did the same. I did oboe and trombone. Really? Yeah. I know. I you both so much. I played French horn, which oh. usually played almost exactly the same musical line as the oboe. Yes. And I didn't read music, so it was wonderful <laughs> to be able to just listen to that very clear and recognizable sound of the oboe across the band room. And just follow that? them. Well, this is a funny little snippet. I don't know if I've told this story before on the podcast, but... I remember when they brought out the band instruments before the year before you went into band, they would bring the mouthpieces oh, yeah. around to the classrooms. And I was like, I don't even want to... And I was like, where did this come from? Like, me as a 10-year-old. I'm like, I don't even want to see any of the mouthpieces. I just want to play the weirdest instrument. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, here's the Nobo. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and I did. I actually... Um, Again, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you listeners know this, but um, like I went to state and like got gold medals on oboe solos and like oh went to college cow. on an oboe scholarship. Not a full it's not an oboe easy scholarship, but like, it isn't uh, a partial oboe scholarship. What? Not an easy instrument. Nope. That's fun. Anyway, it's nice trombone, and then I doubled. I I originally doubled on clarinet for marching band, but then I was bored with clarinet, so I decided to learn trombone instead. That's just the kind of kid I was. So oboe, oboe and trombone. But I wanted to be a drummer in the beginning. Yes, oh. and, I, and, and the story comes around. I've heard it a few times. That people miss that first day of band or whatever. They don't get to the instrument they want. Mm. Right. You know, and I didn't get drums, but uh, yeah, that's all right. I drum now with my mouth, so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice. So that yeah. love of music transition out of school, oh, I'm yeah, guessing. Then, went into... You know, a few years I was professional with an acapella group in the Northwest, and oh my it was fun. It was a good time, um, and I've had I've been in rock band and uh, quartets, vocal quartets, uh, quintets. Uh, my acapella group in that went pro was a, a plugged in group, so we uh, as plugged in. What does that What does that mean? You know, there's effects in rock music, uh, distortion or or echo or whatever. Okay, it is. sure, yeah. In the past, before that. Uh, I don't know when it started, but uh, it was usually just doo-wop or harmony with no effects or anything. But we right. really went for it. We plugged in distortion. We did Lenny Kravitz tunes. We did uh, Sly and the Family Stone stuff. And just oh, that's awesome. And that group really helped me become a performer because that was what we were all about. It was very high energy, uh, very like, in-your-face acapella music, and if, if that can be a thing. And it is, I guess. It can be a thing. <laughs> of course. High energy. If pitch perfect teaches us nothing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, pitch perfect. Yes. Um, I don't. Know. Do you find that 
movie annoying or have you seen it or I've seen parts of that one yeah are you like yep that was the culture are you like oh dear lord I think it's a little past where we were it's another generation past where we started yeah because I'm older than them (laughs) (laughs) but um no it's great actually kind of know I've sung with and knowing through acapella the executive producer Deke Sharon of that series He's a acapella guru from San Francisco. And it's, just... it's, I feel like a degree closer to Hollywood now. Okay, that's, pretty, <laughs> that's, that's pretty. That's pretty. great for me. Um, <laughs> and you too, Jennifer. Now, because you're part of this, mm. you're part of Bring closer being closer to Pitch Perfect. <laughs> um, what was the first play you were in, and why the heck did you audition for it? Or did you audition because you're a mm. guy, and were they like, we need an able body? My person. first play in high school, or my first play here? Like post. School. Yes, like school, as a well, grown was, up. There was City of Angels. It oh, here. Yeah. Two years ago, yes. Three years ago? Two, something like How that. How did you get pulled into that? Oh, I worked with Chelsea Randall at work. Oh, yeah. At yeah, Christopher's yeah. restaurant there. And I saw a couple productions before that, Big, and I saw Full Monty. And when I saw Full Monty, <laughs> for some reason I thought, I want to work with some of these people. And uh, I mean, for some reason because they were mostly naked, but that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, a, those productions in particular for me were, were really eye-opening as to they stirred something in me I guess to want to get back into it and I just tried and I was just it was uh, like a theater boot camp that yeah. City of Angels production. did you audition did you go through the general auditions that year or did I go you know what I did that's right we went through auditions for uh Forever Planned Christmas Edition, basically. They were trying to do oh, that. right. And right, they went right, with Charlie right. Brown instead, because they couldn't line up whatever they needed to line up. And I didn't uh, go for Charlie Brown, so I went the next season for uh, right away with that next production. When I, yeah. City of Angels. Yes, City of Angels. What have, you, what have you done since then? Since it's, only, since it's five. Not only five. I mean, like, I don't mean that oh, in, no, a, it's in only a, five, a dismissive seriously. way, but that's They've surprising. They've all been yeah. It's surprising for me because we're... Of the level of your, the quality of your performance in rehearsal so far, that that completely came as a surprise to me because I just I love your characterization of Gomez and we're all laughing and crying during your songs. <laughs> I believe the quotation from last night was that bastard canamote, which was me talking about you. But well, please continue. You. What other shows have you done before this one? My first show was City of Angels. My second show was at uh, the Woodby Playhouse up north. Oh yeah, yes, right. and uh, that was seventeen seventy six. I got to play Richard Henry Lee. I love that show. Yeah. And I love that song. What That's... a role. What a role. <laughs> that, I mean, in terms of high energy performance. <laughs> That's the first time I met Don Zinger, too. She choreographed my number, and okay. it was just great to begin with her. And, uh, I, you know, it was a wonderful performance. And it so was two period felt pieces. so real, too, when we were up there. And the old, everything was old. The feathers, the ink, dip, the wooden chairs, the, yeah, the custom outfits they yeah. made for us. Yeah. But what a great place. So after that, I was Santa Claus dancing here at Wicked again. Oh, <laughs> you did such a good job in that dance. <laughs> that I, did I did not see this you iconic dance. Patricia Duff. It was a swing number. Mm-hmm. Very well done. Thank you. <laughs> Susan Sandry. Susan Sandry did oh, that yes, for us. Oh, yes. Susan Arquette. Susan yeah. the Ensemble. Uh, okay. And what's next? Then it was... Oh, wow. It was Spamalot. <laughs> <laughs> There was Sir Galahad and Dennis had just an unbelievable time with that cast and that crew. I mean, 
beginning to end, never a dull moment, laughing all the time. Yeah, that was, that was great. And that brings us here? That brings us here. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. It, I really wanted... I so this, is all, this has all happened yeah. within the last three or four years for you. Three years, yeah. yeah. Wow. And it's been a little bigger part each time. And a, it's always had dance. Everything has had a different form of dance. I've been noticing that about all the plays I've been in. Anything from tap to swing to... Chelsea had us do some Indian dancing at one point in the first play. And uh, we did all kinds of stuff. And now I get to tango with... Can we talk about the tango? Because the tango <laughs> is it tango. looks amazing. And I just I don't know. Did you I would hope did you have some suggestions as to the choreography? Or or, or did you step back to say did you step back to say I'm just I'm I wanna be an actor, just an actor for this and lay the choreography on me? That's the expectation I went into our first rehearsal with. But Jim and I actually started taking tango classes together. Very shortly after we were cast. Very shortly. A um, couple of weeks, I think. <laughs> I think I started the week after we were cast, and you joined me the next week. Yeah. And we just felt it was a huge part of Morticia and Gomez's relationship. Right. It's writing the script that they have been tangoing three times a week, a week for 25 <laughs> years. So um, we, we knew we had to get that solidly under our belts and it was it was a big scramble to get the foundation of it's I mean tango is all about technique mm. um, and connection quite a learning curve for us it was that. a huge learning curve but it made a really big difference in our connection on stage in terms yeah. of just yeah being scene partners that understand each other because I had never seen you before callbacks <laughs> never our first day together was dancing uh, and singing through the play and just kind of dancing around each other and learning like one or two tango moves she learned the week before just to just to meet and and you see how what what this is all about yeah it was great because this you know this Morticia Gomez relationship is that really at the heart of the play it is mm -hmm. the heart of the play yeah so that was probably the most helpful piece of outside of rehearsal work for, for me anyway so. Um, but yes, to answer your question, I, I mean, we went into our first rehearsal, which was the rehearsal to learn the tango choreography. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad they started us. They off started that us right away, yeah, right yeah. off the bat, um, because it's, it's kind of the climax of the show, right? The show, so yeah, yes, good to start with that. Um, and what they had done just worked so well, and the fact that we had some technique that made almost like a coat hanger to hang all of these beautiful <laughs> things yes. on. It was it was the foundation that, that really helped us feel like we could take ownership of the choreography that they gave us. And, and we added a few little things here and there. Yeah, or maybe more technical a few tango technical pieces that we wanted to make sure were correct. That, yeah. they, perhaps, that we had learned about in class or also you know a lift or two that... Um, that seemed to work well with the choreography, and they were Don and Melinda. Melinda were so open to working with us, and they wanted our input for sure, which was a great. Collaborative process, yeah. but but hardly necessary because you know we were in good hands. What's your favorite move, or in terms of like as a, as a dancer and choreographer, like to do? What's the funnest move for you in that vocabulary? In for either, either one of you, yeah. specifically, or in that particular number specifically. 
Either question. <laughs> oh, gracious. <laughs> in tango, actually, there's a move that I learned just a few weeks ago that I tried to teach Jennifer, but I really couldn't because I didn't know it well enough. And it has really, it's a wonderful move that I, I hope we can learn soon, but that's, it's not in the number, but it's one of my favorites so far that I've learned in that dance. There are so many wonderful moves in the tango, so many great steps, combinations, and when it's right, it's so right. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big, I've become a, a big Dancing with the Stars fan. And so I always love when they're doing the Argentine tango. Mm -hmm. Like it's my, it's my favorite dance to see. Cause you have to, there's this, uh, the emotional investment is so huge as is the physical investment. There's no way to half-ass it. You need to like, you have to have a connection. Ferocity and mm -hmm. intensity. Absolutely. Yeah. I think for me, actually the, my favorite moment in the choreography isn't specifically from the Argentine Tango Foundation, but it's a lift that involves a fan kick that um, that happens with both ensemble pairs and Gomez and I. In yeah, the same that's moment. a fun move. And, and it's been really just really the enjoyment of of feeling that togetherness with all three couples at the same time and just feeling each other's energy on stage and just enjoying that moment that kind of shot of energy that you get from feeling connected the tango the tango just the tango that number is worth the price of admission so I'll tell you I'll tell you right now even even though I'm only seeing you know it's not we're not into dress rehearsals yet you know we've just been seeing run-throughs it's Pretty flippin' neat. Oh, yeah, when we figure out the skirt, that'll be really oh, interesting. The skirt. Ah, the skirt. The skirt. The, the skirt. stage magic that happens with the skirt. Ooh. We shan't reveal too much. Well, maybe reveal a little bit. Marticia. Let's talk about our wonderful cast. How about that? Of course, oh, we are we are so we are backstage at a theater. So, folks, if you hear doors opening and closing, enjoy Ghosts. it. Enjoy it. Ghosts, <laughs> ancestors of the Adams family. It's all great. Um, so, this production is directed by the fantastic Lonnie Brockman. Um, some of you might know Lonnie from Studio East, which she founded in. Kirkland, uh, which is a fantastic training facility for youth actors, uh, and so she actually directed this show earlier this year with teenage actors. And what I love is that some of some of our uh, ensemble and leading actors uh, did that show, and so so the actress uh, Erica, we love Erica, Erica who plays Wednesday, played Grandma in, in the same show. You know, just just 11, 11 months ago, I should say a year ago, a year ago. And then Austin, who plays Pugsley, played Fester. Um, and then John, who's also in the ensemble, played Fester. And Ashley played Alice. And so they're bringing all that knowledge and passion for this show over. Do you want to talk about your children a little bit, you two? <laughs> talk about Erica and Austin? Oh, they are so much fun to Erica, I'm missing last names. I'm going to be good about it. Erica Major and Austin Morehouse. Mm -hmm. It really blows my mind to see how they are taking ownership of their roles and and getting over that muscle memory that they had for the roles that they had before. Yeah. I've certainly had pipe dreams about going back and doing a show again and trying a different role than I had done in the first time. But 
to see them go through the process of actually doing that, it's more challenging, I think, than people would assume. So I give them so much credit for that. They're and wonderful. The, the way I mean, like, I think of I think of myself at, at their age, and I didn't have half the poise. I mean, like, I was totally a theater geek, hardcore, but I didn't have half the poise that they do. Uh, and so we love you guys. You're <laughs> awesome. Uh, let's go. Let's keep going through the family. So, as Grandma, we have Melanie Bacon. Oh, she's so talented. <laughs> she is. This is her second play. Yes. What? Yes, she uh, said when she turned sixty, she wanted to do. A th- I think it's on her bucket list of basically some sort. And the the uh, last one to fill in that was Dead Man's Cell Phone. Yeah, yeah. That was her first play. Yeah. Well, she's unbelievable. She, great? she brings so much to that role. Imagine sixty playing a hundred and two. She's. So <laughs> <convinced>. <laughs> The testament to her after that is that cannot be easy, but but I think she may have the most exhausting role in this play simply because of how she transforms her body. Her body. Yeah, she yeah. transforms oh, she's her body into this ancient woman. That's oh, she's hilarious. I love the love time her. she takes with her her moments too, because yes, really her timing is beautiful. I, I know I have a tendency to sort of bulldoze through stuff, but I'll, I'll take some notes from, <laughs> from Melanie to savor, savor these things. Uh, Fester. Oh, Ken. Okay. Love of my life. Kent Youngie, who I'm really looking forward to playing with in the 39 Steps, which you should also come and see. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't, I have no words for Kent. He loves this part so much. He wanted, he wanted it so passionately, and oh. I'm so glad that he gets to bring it to life. Yeah. Me too. He really instantly took ownership of it and just pretty much transformed himself. Showed up for the first rehearsal saying, you know, actor formerly known as Kent, now Fester. <laughs> He's been Fester ever since. He, oh, gosh. And I've had the joy of working with him in multiple shows, and he just always pours his heart and soul and leaves. And he just wrings every last ounce of juice out of what he's doing, and I have so much respect for that. Mm. <laughs> Yay, Kent, we love you. Uh, oh, Lurch. Kevin Lynch. Oh, I had a few words. <laughs> or Lurches. A being, a few words. Lurch certainly is. A being, is. yes. <laughs> yes, a being. How does one describe Lurch? A wonderful uh, sword swordsman. Yes. yes. With lightning reflexes. Lightning reflexes. The man yes. just comes out of nowhere. a joy to work with. He just always has a smile mm-hmm. and is always thinking and, you know, considerate of everyone and just such a team player. We love that. So I'm going to transition transition now, transition now from, now from, from your like, to my family. As I said before, Bob Atkinson's playing my husband Mal and I'm excited to see Bob have a bit of a bit of a juicier role because mm-hmm. he is he is approaching it with uh, abandon and he's obviously having having such fun doing it. It's so um, true. It's fun to yell at Bob. I like yelling at Bob. He's a good sport <laughs> about that. Uh, my husband, as in character, not just Bob in general. Not just backstage not that yelling mean. at your scene partner. <laughs> These things can happen sometimes it's after. It's true. And then <laughs> Marshall Lake plays mm. our son. And he... I love the story about Marshall because he, he's done the show before. And uh, he was actually cast as Gomez. He and so sometimes... Gomez. I don't know if you were noticing it last night, but he was doing his choreography and lip syncing to Not Today <laughs> while you were doing your choreography. Uh, luckily I didn't notice that. That would probably throw you up. But he really wanted to play Lucas and so now this is his, his chance and he's... Oh, he's great. He's unstoppable, he's great. that kid. That young man. 
Absolutely. I mean, we we just had to know it from the get go when he showed up for callbacks, callbacks. from Seattle on his bicycle. <laughs> what? Who does that? Oh. Marshall does that. <laughs> Marshall That's does the that. level of energy and commitment that Marshall brings. Love that. Let's move on to our fantastic ensemble. So this is uh, the ancestors of the Adams family, the ones that are. Uh, I like the line in the opening number, living, dead, or undecided. So these are the dead folks mm-hmm. who are, are coming out of their graves. They're summoned once a year to uh, sort of have a family reunion. That's sort of our, how our show opens. Um, and what I love is they're all from different eras of time. And so it's not just a generic ghost look. They all have full characters, full backstories, and they're with us through the entire show. So Ash, Ashley Klimper, she's my twin because she played Alice. I'm actually wearing some of her costume pieces <laughs> from the show that, that, that they did, the production they did um, 12 months ago, a year. Why can't I just say a year? Uh, but Ashley's lovely. <laughs> I love I love her. I love her energy. She she's playing she's playing the Marie Antoinette. The ah yes yes, and which is funny because Wednesday in the TV series had a Marie Antoinette doll, which oh. was so disturbing to guests that would come around the house. So your doll has no head. Yes, we we put her in the guillotine. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kathy Link. Kathy is she the is she the flapper? No, Susan's the flapper. What is the... Explain what you're doing with your hands. Well, um, she does this when she comes... When she makes her first moment. Is it a hula hoop? It's, I don't know if it's a hula hoop or a dress. Is she um, a cowgirl? No, we have a cowboy. Catherine. Catherine. No, no, she's not a cowboy anymore. She's... Oh. Uh, anyway. Backstory <laughs> and history. Things that happen... Kathy is wonderful. We're not quite sure what your character is yet because we don't have the costume. haven't seen the costume yet. I see it in costume. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to see all of these ancestors in their costumes. And we should... Their shades of pale. Various mm-hmm. shades of pale. But, oh, this show must be so much fun to costume and we're so lucky to have... Shout out to Val Johnson oh who's our fearless yeah, costume designer. Customer. Yes. Uh, and I have to, say, I have to give a shout out because I, I did see uh, it's closed now but Beauty and the Beast at the Children's Theater and I saw her costume for that which I swore were rented and they were not she built them all from oh scratch uh, with the exception of the gold utensils which were rented from Studio East Amazing. Um, so y'all know Catherine my girl uh, our second episode guest Catherine Lynn Morgan uh, is in the ensemble no she says she's not a cowboy she, she was, was a cowboy. cowboy. She was going to be a cowboy and then... A flamenco? Yes. And now I think that may be shifting. Something um, new. We'll have to wait. I think, I think flamenco the entire... Just because the ancestors are on stage for so much... I mean, they're a constant presence in the show, so the quick change might not... May or may not happen. But, uh, but she changed yeah. her um, opening gesture last night. She was like... Uh, I saw her taking a flask or something. I don't know. <laughs> Again, yeah. this, these are going to be interesting. Once yeah. we've fully fleshed out by the time our dear listeners come to see the show, once it opens. Yeah, I got to work with Catherine in Metamorphoses. Me too. Wicca and and work with her on on movement, and it was so interesting to see her process. I think in, in terms of inhabiting a character. From a, from a physicality standpoint, her process is a lot deeper than a lot of people that, that I know and in terms of coming from that from that inhabiting the body and how does a, how does a person move and so it was really inspiring to see the way that she worked and so whenever I 
go to an audition and see Catherine's there, I think, oh, where are we going with this? This will be <laughs> phenomenally mm. fascinating. And as we said before, Susan Sandry mm-hmm. uh, is, in, is in the ensemble. Yes. Um, and yeah, and she's a, a choreographer extraordinaire in her own right. She's choreographed mm-hmm. shows here at Wicca. Into the Woods. Into the Woods, and she was and the witch in that as well. With the Island Dance Theater, and was the witch in Into the Woods just recently with you. That was an amazing role. Yeah, that's not the first time I saw you on stage, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah, that was pretty well fun. Cast, oh, that looks so fun. Yes. That's pretty fun. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Tess Caldwell. I love Tess. I first saw her in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang over at the Children's Theater. Um, and she's playing the youngest of the ancestors, and she's also playing Cousin It. Uh, in a surprise bit that you will just have to see once you're here, dear listeners. Tess um, was one of the children at the mall during Santa's uh, scene in Christmas And Christmas that was Story. the first time I saw her on stage. I've worked with her siblings in mm-hmm. in dance choreography, but um, Tess had been my ballet student a few years ago, and um, so I was excited to get to work with her in this show because she brings a real deep level of work and and serious. Like like sometimes I think she's a bit more adult than she's than very poised. I'm always yes. impressed by that. Yes, she brings it. Uh, Brian Burroughs is our great Gatsby mm-hmm. ensemble member. Uh, Solid, solid, solid kind of guy. He's bringing it. Yeah, I, he's one of our tango dancers. Very budding tango dancer. Yeah, yep. love that. Paired with Susan for that number. John Han, John, I love you, baby. I hope you're listening to this. Uh, I'm just in love with John. I just think he is. He has so much so energy. talented. He's going to be uh, in How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying. Perfect. At Fifth Avenue. Yes. With the. Uh, solo parts and so and he's only 19 and he's already getting cast in these huge shows and he's just he's very much a bright a bright star and I'm uh, excited that he's a part of this I love him he's hilarious he makes me laugh every time off off stage and on stage he's hilarious he's hilarious all the time right hilarious but in terms of knowing what to do and when he Mm -hmm. certainly had everything under control last night in rehearsal and the rest of us were all falling apart. But you know, it's good <laughs> to have a rehearsal like that every once in a while so you know where all of the mistakes are because you've made all of them and now you don't have to anymore. It's great. Reassuring. Reassuring. It's good. I get nervous if there's not... <laughs> I'm serious. I get nervous if there's not a bumpy rehearsal in, in the week and a half before the show opens. I, I do. I get nervous because I'm like, because now I'm going to trip on opening night or something. <laughs> so I think it's good. It's good. Uh, Morgan Pullum, Morgan, I love her bride, she her crying so bride. Joy. That's the thing. She's she's the the crying bride, but she brings so much joy to everything she does, and she's always laughing and smiling. She's and the best. Morgan and John are also um, tango dancers with mm-hmm. us, Susan, yes. Susan Bryan and Jim Knight and Morgan and John, and that that's a really beautiful thing because we've kind of got the the middle aged couple and. And then on either side of that, just a, just a little bit older and a little bit yep, younger, yep. And, and it kind of brings a richness to that that scene. I love that. I'm glad they put that tango number with with all of us together. It, yes. it really does add depth. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan Parker, our stewardess. <laughs> I always <laughs> love how she directs the ancestors in at the at the top of the Adams mm-hmm. family number <laughs> when you're in Adams. Um, lo- I remember. I remember like. 
I remember her from, from when I first came to the island. She would come into the coffee shop, and uh, the first time I heard her sing an Adele song, I was like, holy what? Because at that time, she was, she was only 13 or 14, and uh, I don't know how old she is now. I don't think I've heard her sing yet. Oh, she, she has an amazing voice. An amazing voice. The, I think she was younger than that when I heard her sing. Uh, Wasn't she the, the, the cow in she your was play? Milky White, yes. Milky White. And I'm like, oh, that, who is that adorable? And she was actually, I don't know why I didn't, oh, she was a, a, an elf in Christmas Story too. So oh. did, um, Into the Woods was before that, right? Just a year yes. ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Megan has a dance background as well, which makes all of these roles so suited for her. She was my dance student years ago. And finally, last but not least, Jim Carroll is our caveman. <laughs> oh. In the ensemble. I, I just love seeing him on stage. There's just never any shadow of a doubt that it's there's there's just that caveman energy going on. He knows how to bring it. Oh, he knows how to bring it. And all sorts of energy. Yeah. Jim helped me a lot, I think. It sort of in the first place. We were in City, City of Angels, Angels together. Yeah. And I got to see him work and, and he had a lot going on in that show. A lot going on. And he really handled it well. It was it was fun to watch him work. Him and Tristan <laughs> and Bob at that yeah they were really powerhouses there because that was a confusing play at times but when it came together it was really really fun to work on I remember that I just remember the quick change when Savannah went from the world of color bad. into the black and white on the turntable that what that set was kind of crazy that whole world it was world two turntables right yep yeah, yeah, yeah. gosh and she was singing the tune and then she was in color all of a sudden it, yeah good a, a good direction in that <laughs> That's because theater is magic, people. It was magic. It is magic. Uh, I want to talk about your album, Jim, because I've been listening to it nonstop at work because it I is very that. soothing, and <laughs> it's called Beatbox Soul. Yes, yes. It, it was is. recently released. March 2015, yes. A little further than recently, but no, still that's new. Still recent. Still new. For me, that's recent, yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about it and where folks can listen and get copies. You can listen anywhere if you'd like. Spotify, Pandora. You know, it's, I prefer if you bought it. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes. Um, live shows, which I don't do too many right now, but uh, always have them there. The album was written over the past few years. Uh, I started writing about six, eight years ago, seriously, and learning the guitar and things like that so I could write what was in my head. So I've been a bass player for years and years, and found it hard to write with one string at a time. <laughs> <laughs> so I needed... Now you got chords! Now you got six strings! Yes. <laughs> wow! It's a multi-layered album. It's uh, it's all me. I produced it and recorded it. So you're doing beatbox percussion, you're doing yep. bass, you're doing guitar, you're singing in harmony with yourself. Yes. Over... What's the most tracks that are on one... most different tracks that are on one song? Do you know offhand? I don't know offhand, but it's got to be up in the... 40s, I think. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that takes patience. Oh, patience. Which is a virtue yes. that I do not have. Pretty much two years trying to do plays in between it and, and trying to find the creative space to write original music and then play someone who's already been written. Hmm. I've found that, I've gotten better at that, but I found it a little difficult to switch from even Gomez to my real self at times. <laughs> Try to, yeah. Yeah, especially those, with these yeah. particular characters, given that they're so prescribed. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, it's a different experience than any other role I've ever played. Mm-hmm. 
He really takes over. Mm-hmm. My, as we sort of as we bring this interview to a close, I want to know from each of you what your favorite song is in the show. Whether and it doesn't matter if you're singing it or someone else sings it, but what it, what is your favorite song in the show and why? My favorite song to sing is "Happy Sad." It's to me it's the most uh, such a beautiful tune, and it's the one basically straight tune in the play. It doesn't have comedic lyrics. It has some dialogue in and around it. For the I mean, it can stand alone. It does. It stands alone, and it's just like a standard, like almost a jazz standard. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just so it feels so good to sing it. So that one that really gets me. That one really gets me. <laughs> The others are a little harder. The up-tempo ones I find a little more difficult to get tongue-tied and things yeah. like that. A lot of notes. Uh, but Happy Sad just, I, mean, just, I love that song. I really do. <laughs> yeah, and I stand backstage and cry. Yeah, <laughs> same. It's very sweet. Yeah, I honestly, between secrets and death is just around the corner, I don't know. It's, it can't be possible to choose between those two. Um, secrets means a lot to me. Uh, but Death is Just Around the Corner is so much fun. Um, just the combination of dry, which is, you know, Morticia's delivery on everything. Dry, but high energy is fun. It's just really fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, folks, listeners, you're going to want to come and check out this show. It has... Uh, has everything that you would want from a big Broadway show. Familiar characters. You're going to laugh a lot. You're going to feel all the emotions. Big dance numbers. Varying styles of music. Uh, you're going to get tickets online at wiccaonline.org. And we'll also have the box office number in the episode description. If you're listening to this the day it comes out, I want to get on your radar that Wicca is having a Cyber Monday sale, which means that on Monday, November 30th, you can get tickets for Adam's Family for only $17. That's right, all tickets, only $17, but just that day only. So if you're listening to this ahead of that, get on that. We open December 4th and we run through the 19th. We hope you'll join us at the Adams Family Mansion. I wanted to close. Thank you so much both for being on the podcast, Thank but you, I thought it would be lovely to close with the two closing lines of the play because they make me super happy. Do you think we could go out on that? You betcha. <clears throat> I think you'll know it, right? Let's see what happens. Are you unhappy, my darling? Oh, yes. Yes, completely. <laughs> That's a wrap!
Everything. 